Very grateful. Thank you for coming tonight to this parish mission conference. Tonight we're going to speak about judgment. So last night, Father Anderson spoke about death. The first of these four last things tonight we see judgment. And why? Why do we look at these things? And it's not because the church wants us to be morbid or morose. It's not because we're supposed to be dark and gloomy or anything like that. G.K. Chesterton once said that the best way to love something is to realize that it might be lost. The best way to come to love something is to realize it might be lost. So we have these conferences on these four last things to realize just what God has given to us. Just what is at stake here. I'm sure you've heard people speak before of a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Making it clear that this is something you don't want to pass up. This is an opportunity you don't want to miss. An opportunity that might never come back again. Well, that's the point of this conference. The point of this conference is to make it clear to you, to me, that all of us have before us in this life a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Our entire life, we can say, is, so to speak, a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This life is a test. This life is a time of probation. For some of us, this testing might might last 60, 70, 80, 90 years. For others, this period of testing might last 40 years or 20. For some of us, maybe even less. It's an opportunity, a period of testing, but for what? To decide what? This life will not determine how we spend the next 50 or 100 years. This time of probation doesn't determine whether or not our family, our relatives, our future generations will be poor or wealthy. It doesn't determine whether or not we come back in the next life as a mosquito or a dog. This life here on earth determines one thing, and one thing only. But what a thing. Because this life, the small actions, the thoughts, the words of every day, however small they may seem, they determine for us eternity. We know that there's only two options. Because of the fact that we're baptized so by our baptism, there are only two options of how we will spend that eternity. There's no longer the option of limbo. It's now either heaven or hell for all eternity. Two options, not three, not four, not one hundred, just two. So this life, this life is this great opportunity, the opportunity of a lifetime for what? To reach the greatest happiness imaginable. (coughs) Death and judgment, they bring this time of testing, this period of probation to an end. Once a man dies and is judged, the opportunity has gone, and it will not come back. At that moment of death, at that moment of judgment, his eternity is sealed. 
he will have to render to God an account of his entire life. This moment comes for each and every one of us. We have to realize this. Yes, it might be 60 years away for some of us. It might be 20 years away for some of us. It might be one year away. But it will come for each and every one of us. This moment of death, this moment of judgment before the seat of justice of God. It will come for each and every one of us. And what happens then? What happens at that moment of judgment? The imagery that Christ uses is that our actions will be tried in the fire. St. Paul is the one who says that our God is a consuming fire. It's our Lord himself who says that our actions will be purified, purged by that fire. So the question is, what will our actions, our thoughts, our words turn out to be? Will they be straw or will they be gold? Christ says if your actions, if your life has been nothing but building up a lot of straw or wood, then it's going to be entirely consumed and nothing of it will remain. What's the, what's the analogy? What's the comparison? Well, our actions are nothing but straw if they're done for self. If we're living for self, with ourselves at the center of everything, if we're living a life of pride, a life of envy, then yes, we're just building up a huge pile of straw. That might look nice, but when that moment comes when it touches that fire, it will be gone in a second. We have to realize that we can go through 90 years on this earth living a life that might appear to be good, that might appear to be virtuous. But if it's corrupted there at the root and it's all just about self, in an instant it will come to nothing. On the contrary, if we live out of love for God, if He's the center, if all our thoughts, words, and actions are prompted by the supernatural charity, then we will build up this treasure of gold. This charity. Charity in the spiritual life is like the Midas touch. It's the Midas touch of the spiritual life. Everything done by charity turns to pure gold. And so rather than being consumed by that fire, it will be purified and purged and come out all the brighter, all the more brilliant by that contact with God. And we will keep those for all eternity. They will be our trophies, our triumph, our victory. Too often we get the idea that thinking about these things like death and judgments, that it is simply you know, morbid or dark and gloomy. Or that maybe it's a bit too Protestant. Or that it's something that can only have the effect of causing fear and trembling within us. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. In fact, it's possible that that moment of judgment will be for us a moment of the greatest consolation. How so? St. Alphonsus Ligorio says, How great shall be the joy of the soul when at death she hears from Jesus Christ these sweet words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you have been faithful over a few things, I will place thee over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But he also says, Equally great shall be the anguish and despair of a guilty soul that shall see herself driven away by the judge with the following words, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. 
Yes, it all depends on what we do here and now. There are two options, and they are eternal. But they are determined by what we do here and now. Not what we will do 20 years from now, because that time may never come. What we do now with the time that is given to us. Yes, if we have built up nothing but straw, then that moment will be terrible. It will be, there will be cause for fear and trembling. Absolutely. But if we have lived our life as God wants us to, if we have been, so to speak, giving it our best, with the help of God's grace always, trying our best to live a life of charity, a life of faith and hope, then that moment of judgment will be one of great consolation. Because God is going to show us something at that moment of judgment. God is going to reveal to us something, a vision, an intuitive glance. And what are we going to see? We're going to see simply our entire life. Our entire life will, as it said, flash before our eyes. Although we're not going to see it with our own human eyes anymore, we're going to see it with the eyes of God. We're going to see our life in its true light. And what will that be? What will we see? There's a story that I somewhat like. It's from a, I must confess, it's from a movie, so it might sound familiar to you. But it's a story about a man who moves into this village. He lives very, he lives up in the mountains, sort of the life of a, you know, hermit, so to speak. But it's because he is physically disfigured, he is physically ugly, and he is, so to speak, outcast from the village. The people don't like him, and because they have thrown him out and he knows that he is not uh, pleasant to look upon, he has become bitter and harsh. And so he has this reputation with the people. Until this little girl starts going and visiting his home every day. And she, so to speak, softens him up and reveals once again the large heart within it. And she so softens this man that he actually becomes very generous, very charitable. And secretly, seriously, privately, he starts making incredible donations and acts of charity towards the people of the village, but anonymously. So there's a family who needs $12,000 for their doctor to have surgery. They don't have the money. A mysterious envelope shows up with $12,000 anonymously. Another family can't pay their, their house bill. They owe $2,000, and the $2,000 shows up on their doorstep out of nowhere. Nobody knows where it's coming from. Until one day, this, this little girl who had changed this man so much, she falls off of a cliff, falls off the edge of a cliff, down a precipice, and he finds her body, and he brings the body to the village. He doesn't really ever go to the village, but now he goes to the village, bearing in his arms the body of this girl. The villagers see him, and right away they assume the worst, that he's a monster, that he has murdered her, or killed her, or at least, at least very seriously injured her. So they attack him, they pounce upon him, and they beat him, and they kill him. After killing him, they then, one of them then reaches into one of his pockets, the man's pockets, and pulls out what appears to be the man's, you know, 
little private journal, a little diary of sorts. They open it up, and they read inside the different acts of charity that this man had performed. He had been keeping track of all the money he had given to every single family. So they read $12,000 to this family, $3,000 to this family for their house payment, $12,000 for the surgery. One by one, the men realized just what they had done, that this was their greatest benefactor and they had now put him to death. Say so one by one, slowly, quietly, very shocked and surprised, they leave the site, leaving just the body of this man all alone. So what's the point of the story? Well, in a sense, that's what's going to happen to us at judgment. At that time of judgment, we will see our life clearly. We will see our Lord Jesus Christ, how he was working in our life, and we will realize that, yes, this was our greatest benefactor. And by our actions, by our sins, we have put him to death. We're going to see all of the gifts of God, and then we're going to see how we responded to them. We will see what it truly means to be a child of God. We'll see the wonderful graces given to us by our baptism. To be a child of God, to have the life of God within us. Or we'll see just how wonderful it was to have the confessional. To have that confidence that we can go to the confessional, have our sins truly wiped away from our soul, and have that fresh start. Or we'll see just how incredible is this gift of the Blessed Sacrament. The ability for a man who is a creature, a nothing, to receive Almighty God into his soul. It's absolutely wonderful, absolutely marvelous. Too often that we take these things for granted. We don't appreciate them as we should. At that moment of judgment, we will see all these things, how wonderful are these mysteries, these truths, and then we will see just how terrible, in light of all this, was our negligence, our carelessness our lukewarmness, our tepidity, our lack of fervor, our lack of faith. St. Alphonsus Liguori again, he says, In the first place, the judge shall demand of sinners an account of all the blessings and graces which he bestowed on them in order to bring them to salvation, and which they have rendered fruitless. He will demand an account of the years granted to them that they might serve God and which they have spent in offending Him. So we can imagine our soul or any soul at the moment of judgment, what's going to be the one desire that it has? Seeing all these things as it does. There's going to be one desire which is going to be, let me go back. Let me have one more day. Even just one more hour, one more moment how differently I would spend it. Yes, how differently that soul would act if it was given one more day on earth. It obviously wouldn't spend it looking for the things of this world that pass away. It would not spend it on self, on creatures. Rather, it would be absorbed deeply in God, living life in a deep spirit of faith, Realizing just how God is working in his soul, in those around him, in all the events of everyday life. 
that it would simply try its best to correspond to all the graces that God was giving to it at every moment. He would do all of this, we would do all of this, if we had just a little time more. But that time will not be given to us. Of course, we will cry out for mercy, it's understandable. And it sounds somewhat shocking, but it's true. We will cry out for mercy at that moment, and we will not receive it. Because the time of mercy is over. The time of second chances is over at that point in time. At that moment, that is the time of justice. God is seated upon his throne of justice. It's going to, it's going to be such a shock for us. We are going to be astounded, surprised, baffled, to see just how God was working in our lives at every single moment. When we see this will of God very clearly revealed in our lives, there's only going to be one possible reaction on our part. And that's going to be to submit ourselves in the most profound and humble adoration. Realizing, yes, God's will and how it played out in my life, now that I see the big picture, I see the, the entire thing all at once, it is infinitely wise. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. But we will see at that moment just how profoundly wise and loving God is and how intimately he was present in all the details of our life. And our reaction will be adoration. The problem comes now. The problem is that here and now, every single moment, that infinitely loving and wise God is working in our lives. But we fail to see it. So we fail to have that submission and adoration that we should, that should be normal to us, that will be natural to us at that moment of judgment. But it's so difficult for us now. Now we find ourselves grumbling and complaining against the tiniest little inconveniences that come our way. It's the same will. The same will that's working in our life. St. John Manning, he says... It's a famous saying, as you may have heard it. He says, the priest will only be understood in heaven. If he were understood on earth, people would die. Not of fear, but of love. And we can apply the same thing to God and his will working in our lives. If we could see this will of God at every moment, we would die. Not out of fear, but out of love. For seeing the care, the tenderness the providence of God at every moment. But we don't see it. We don't see it. Again, this time on earth is precious. We have to use it well. At that moment of judgment, we would, we would give absolutely anything to have just a little more time. But it will not be given to us. But now, now we do have more time. So the great question is, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do? What should we do with our time that we have left here on earth? A good way to figure out is to place yourself. Imagine yourself there on your deathbed. Imagine yourself there before that judgment seat of God, seeing things clearly now. 
what are you going to wish you had done? If you were given the grace of a second chance in coming back, what would you do with your life? And then do that now. There's a story about a soul, the soul of a woman who had died and had judgment passed upon her. And she was either in purgatory or in heaven, but she came back and visited a soul here on earth, one of her friends. She came back and she confided to this soul. She said, if I could go back and live on earth for several more years, I would willingly go back and suffer the most terrible and unimaginable sufferings, physical sufferings, if it would allow me to say one more Hail Mary well. I would go back and suffer everything that life can give, all the trials and tribulations that come with life here on earth. I would happily endure all of them for the possibility of saying one more Hail Mary. We don't realize just how powerful and wonderful in their eternal fruits are prayers said well, sacrifices made well. It is why we are here on earth. To build up for ourselves this treasure in heaven. So it's quite apparent, it's quite clear that we don't we don't see things with this kind of clarity. But it's worth asking, is there a way? Is it possible somehow to get some small portion of that clarity that we will have on that day of judgment? To start here and now seeing things in this way, is it possible? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, we can already here on earth start to have a small, small portion of this vision, and that is by faith. Faith is, so to speak, the beginning of this vision. It's that vision in seed. We can't give ourselves faith, though. We can't say, oh yes, I will live like faith, and it happens. We can't say, I want faith, and we get it. It's not that easy. It's a gift from God. It's a grace from God. And so like all gifts from God, it requires that we put ourselves on our knees before Him and thank Him for it. Humbly, genuinely. But now is the acceptable time. We can't pray for graces two years from now. We can't pray for graces five days ago. The only time that we can pray for graces, for help, is the here and now. At each and every moment. St. Paul says, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is when we have to ask for all these graces that we need. On that judgment day again, Christ will be seated on his throne of justice. But today, and during the rest of our time here on earth, we can say that he is seated, so to speak, in the blessed sacrament, on his throne of mercy. Our life here on earth is this time of the mercy of God then it will be the time for justice. Now, as he is seated here upon his throne of mercy, the blessed sacrament, we will find forgiveness. We will find pardon. We will find second chances. But not on that day of judgment. Of course, we will try, and we will try to cry out for mercy on that day. But as one spiritual author says, 
speaking of his soul there before God. He says, perhaps he will cry for mercy. But how can he dare to implore mercy when he must first render an account of his contempt for the mercy which Jesus Christ has shown to him? With what face will you, who are to be first judged for contempt of mercy, ask for mercy? Yes, we will plead, we will beg, God have mercy upon us. What will this answer be? It sounds shocking that it will be no. But it's not just going to be no, it's going to be, look at how many times I have showed you mercy. Look at how many second chances you have in life. It had to come to an end eventually. So I encourage you, during this parish mission, make a good confession. Make a good confession. The day will come, again, at that moment of judgment, the day will come when your sorrow for your sins will be of no avail. On that day of judgment, when we are before God, we have our entire life laid out before us, and we're accused, sin by sin, of all the sins we've ever committed in our life, there will be no option of getting out of it. We will not try to excuse ourselves. It will be so clear to us, this is God we are dealing with. He knows perfectly what I have done. And so as the sins are one by one named off, sins of pride, I'm guilty. Sins of intemperance, guilty. Sins of envy, and thought word indeed, guilty. Sins of impurity, guilty. Every single sin going through. What will be our reaction? Confusion, shame, sorrow. But again, this shame for our sins, this sorrow at offending God, this repentance will not be worth anything at that moment. It will be of no avail. It will not be beneficial for our salvation. It's worth nothing. Whereas here and now, at this moment, while we still have, while we're still living on this earth, this sorrow, this repentance, this shame for our sins is worth everything. So make a good confession. Make a good examination of conscience. And again, a, a good way to make a good examination of conscience is to simply place yourself there on your deathbed. Imagine yourself on your deathbed. Imagine yourself before the judgment seat of God. It will help you to see things in your life more clearly. St. Alphonsus, again, in a sermon on on this particular judgment, he says, What answer shall the sinner give to Jesus Christ? How can he see how can he who sees himself so clearly convicted give an answer? <clears throat> he shall be covered with confusion and shall remain silent, like the man found without the nuptial garment. There's a story about a priest, his name is Father Stephen Father Stephen Shayer, from the Diocese of Wichita here in Kansas. About 30 years ago, in October 1985, he was killed in a head-on collision. So he died, his soul before the judgment seat of God. God showed to him his life, and the man realized after this, after this vision of seeing what he had done, how he had offended God so many times, and how seriously the judgment passed upon his soul was hell for all eternity. And he realized, he said, this is what I deserve. He realized that it was perfectly just. 
And then there was a voice that was heard, the voice of a woman that interceded and said, My son, give him a second chance. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, But mother, I've already given him so many chances. Look at all the graces that I've given to him time and time again. And she said, Yes, but let me take him under my care, give him one more chance. We will give him special graces, and if he rejects them, then yes, you can you can do with him what you will. And our Lord said, "Mother, he's yours." And after that, the man was revived in the hospital. This priest was. He was given that second chance. Needless to say, he changed his life. So, two points from this story. First of all, to realize that that is something extraordinary to be given that second chance at that moment. That is not something that will be given to the majority of men. And secondly, to realize that we have to go to Our Lady. Our Lady Fatima. She said that there's so many souls that go to hell because there's nobody praying and sacrificing for them. We know it. We've heard it many times before. Just how many souls go to hell? I read somewhere that it's about 150,000 people that die each day, which is about two people every second. Two people every second go before that judgment seat of God. Are they prepared? Are they ready? Some of them, we hope so, yes. But many of them, probably not. And in many ways, we can say, of course, they're not excused from living a life of sin and offending God so much. But to a certain extent, they didn't receive all the gifts that we have been given. We will be held much more accountable than they will. And we have a much greater obligation here not to be praying for those souls. When Our Lady says that so many souls go to hell because there's nobody praying and sacrificing for them, she's not rebuking the pagans and the heathens, the people who live out in the world, who are addicted to sin, whatever it might be, living in living a life of sin, in a serious occasion of sin. She's not talking about those people. She's not rebuking those people. Those people almost aren't expected to be the ones making prayers and sacrifices. She's rebuking us. We're the ones who know these great mysteries. We're the ones who realize just what is at stake for every soul in the face of this earth. We're the ones that realize what an opportunity this life here on earth is. We see the great gifts that they're squandering. We're the ones that know our prayers and sacrifices can help them. And we're the ones that neglect to pray for them. She is re- she's not rebuking the world, she's rebuking her children. She's rebuking those who know better, which is us, the Catholics. Those who have been given the great gift of this understanding. <coughs> And also we have to realize that by praying for those who every day go before this judgment seat of God, we can be sure that if they they do go to heaven, that they will be praying for us. Praying for the holy souls. We can be sure that when that moment of judgment comes for us, we will have an army praying for us. So we have to love God for every moment that he's worth, while we still have time. We don't know how much time we have left. But again, this life here on earth is an incredible opportunity. 
We are given so much, we cannot let it pass by. So I'll finish with a quote from the Rule of St. Benedict. It's in the prologue at the very beginning. He sort of sets the stage for his entire rule to come. By saying, if we want to escape the pains of hell and attain life everlasting, then while there is still time, while we are still in the body and are able to fulfill all these things by the light of this life, we must hasten to do now what will profit us for all eternity. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.